The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Good morning. You guys may be seated. I want to say for everyone in the room and particularly for those online, welcome in the name of Jesus. Um, I'm so happy that we get to celebrate our children in this church. I know it's odd uh, that we're celebrating them by distance and that they're not here, and one day we will be able to hug them and celebrate them in person. But I'm happy for a church that celebrates children because uh, Jesus says, for theirs is the kingdom. And so one way that if you want to seek the kingdom of God, look at children because the kingdom belongs to them. And so I'm thankful for our children this morning. Um, I also want to say this, a quick announcement before we get started. You're going to hear us, uh, the leadership of the Springs, we've had ongoing discussions about our meetings and what's going on with the pandemic. And you're going to hear more about this, but you're going to start hearing us talk more about really encouraging everyone to wear masks. Most of us have been really good about wearing masks on the way in, but we're going to continue even more to encourage you to say, wear them throughout the service. I know some of you aren't wearing them right now, so don't feel shamed or awkward, but we've been talking to healthcare people, particularly several in our congregation, people that know what they're talking about. They actually have wisdom and experience, and they said, uh, actually, one of the most dangerous things In a pandemic that we actually do, and it's the odd thing, because I think it's the thing we enjoy the most, is to sing. It's one of the most dangerous things during a pandemic, is singing. Because when you sing, you project out, and you, uh, uh, breath goes further when you sing. And so, I know it is uncomfortable, trust me, wearing this mask, and I'm going to wear it, except when I preach, I think there's some social distance there but wearing this mask is not comfortable and I know some of you are like yeah I you know what I'm okay I know the risk I'm not worried about getting it the reason why we're asking you to wear a mask is because if if we we know I get that that you're not worried about getting it but what our concern is and I think what we're asking your concern to be is that others don't get it because you may already have it and don't know that you have it. And so there's two reasons why we're going to ask this. One is that we think this is what it means to love our neighbor. There's lots of things that we do that are not comfortable, right? In marriages, with our kids, with our people at work. There's lots of things we do that aren't comfortable, but we do it because of love of neighbor, right? I don't particularly enjoy wearing this mask. In fact, this particular mask hurts my ears the longer I wear it pulls on my ears. Maybe I should get a different mask. And it reminds me of how much coffee I've drank this morning, because every time I sing into it, all I can smell is my coffee breath. So you're welcome. That's how I'm loving you as well. You don't get to smell my coffee breath. But I want to do it not because I don't want to get sick, but because I don't want to spread it around. And the second reason is this. It is good for us to be together. And we realize that there are many of us here that need this in many ways to be here, right? We totally understand those that want to stay home, and it's totally fine to stay home, and we're praying that one day everything will get back to 
some sense of normal and that we can be together. But until then, those that really need to be here for social and spiritual reasons, we want to continue to be able to do that. And so we think the best way to be able to continue to meet is that if we wear masks during the whole service for a period of time. It's been said, it's been a while since this has been said, but we are living in unprecedented times, crazy times. And more than anything else, we need wisdom. Wisdom for this journey. And there are so many decisions that are having to be made, one in this church, you may in your business, in your personal life, that there's no good roadmap for how you continue on during a pandemic. We don't know what the future holds, but if there's ever a time that we need wisdom, it's now. We talked about in this series, wisdom in our speech, how not to use it as an instrument, as a weapon, but an instrument of healing. We talked about what it means to how we treat one another and how justice, how we be just with one another. We've talked about what do we do with our emotions, particularly anger, which there's, it's expected there could be a lot of anger and frustration, but how we be patient and show, so show self-control. And so I think it's appropriate that we are looking in the book of Proverbs and in wisdom literature because during this moment, if ever we needed wisdom, it's now. Before we turn to our text today, let's pray. God, as always, we give you thanks. And we need wisdom. This is a time, if ever, that we need your wisdom. And so we thank you for your word that offers your wisdom and your life to us. So as always, we ask for ears to hear. We ask for hearts to follow. We ask for lives that will obey. God, I ask for the gift of preaching. In the name of Jesus, your wisdom to us. Amen. So our primary text today comes out of Proverbs chapter 3, beginning in verse 34. Actually, just Proverbs 3, 34. It says this. He, God, mocks proud mockers, but shows favor to the humble and the oppressed. This may not be the most famous proverb, but it is perhaps the most quoted proverb in the New Testament. Happens at least twice. Now, you may not recognize it from this translation, but you'll recognize it from this one. In James chapter 4, verse 6, it says this. God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. And it's at least quoted one other time in the New Testament in 1 Peter 5, 5. And so the Proverbs talk pretty consistently as they do about speech and anger, as they do about justice, as they do talk about a lot of things. There are a lot of Proverbs that kind of have this binary. On one side, on the folly side, there is pride. And on the wisdom side, there is humility. And the first thing that we learn from this proverb is this, that God opposes the proud. God opposes pride. Now, what does the Proverbs mean by that? Exactly what does God oppose? Well, Proverbs 21, 24 says this, the proud and the arrogant person, mocker is his name, behaves with 
with insolent fury. In one sense, pride is this, is this arrogant, violent anger. Now, if you have a regular behavior or outburst of violent behavior, come talk to me. We need to talk. But for most of us, I'm guessing, for most of us, we haven't experienced this. I mean, maybe we've had a few times in our life where we've really blown up. I know that I have. Not proud about that. But I've really kind of blown up and kind of anger that lashes out. But I don't find it. I don't, my experience of, of, of you guys in this congregation is not one that is regularly exploding with violent anger. So on one level, the first part is, I'm glad I don't meet that category. But see if you meet this one. Proverbs 13, verse 10. It says, where there is strife, there is pride. But wisdom is found in those that take advice. I think, from my experience, most arguments, most conflict, they happen, at least in some part, because of pride. You know what I mean? When you get in that argument, and even though you have a legitimate point, you won't stop. Or even if you realize, hey, I may be a little wrong, or the person arguing with me may be a little right. You, do you feel that within you? That I am not going to stop arguing because I don't want to give up on this. I want to be right, and I want them to hear me and to know what I'm trying to express. And so, pride doesn't listen or take much advice. It wants to be right. It wants to win. I'm a pretty competitive person. I played sports all my life. I'm, I'm competitive. And that even bleeds over in relationships. So, just use the place where it probably happens the most. When my wife and I get into an argument and she's sitting at home and I'm giving away the secrets that she's probably going to use in the next argument we have. But I feel that within me. I want to win. I feel that pride that I could just say, you know what, let me just listen. Instead of just saying, let me just listen. I feel that pride, and it just makes me keep going. One more jab, one more argument, one more point. Pride cares more about itself than the concerns of others. It doesn't want to take time to listen. Proverbs also says this about pride in chapter 25, 27. It says, it is not good to eat much honey or to seek honor on top of honor. The message says this in Chapter 25, a little bit earlier, verse 6 through 7, it says this. Don't work yourself into the spotlight. Don't push your way into the place of prominence. It is better to be promoted to a place of honor than to face 
humiliation by being demoted. When I hear that phrase, it's not good to eat too much honey. Some of you are like, oh, yes, it is. Haven't you seen Winnie the Pooh? But let me put it more in a context that we understand. Some of us might not eat honey that much. But something that's more broad, I think. In America, we love soda. Now, some of you don't like soda. But what I mean by soda is uh, a sugary soft drink. It doesn't have to be carbonated. It might not be Coke. It might not be Pepsi. We love sugary drinks. In fact, we love them so much that sales revenue for soda in the United States last year in 2019 was just under $250 million. That's how much soft drink companies earned last year. And, that, and, it, and it's expected to grow, this industry I was reading, expected to grow by 6.5% a year. And on average, soft drink companies, if you break it down, they make in revenue about $752 off of each person in the United States per year. It's a lot of soft drinks. Now, some of us are contributing more to that than others, right? But listen to this. They say on average, the average American consumes roughly 200 liters of sugary soft drinks per year. 200 liters over the course of a year. We love soft drinks. And I remember a few years ago, and you'll probably remember this happened in the news, where New York City wanted to ban the large size soft drinks. Do you remember that? And there's a big controversy because some are like, yes, thank you. And I was like, what? You're taking away my large, my Route 44? You're taking away the biggest soft drink? But the idea was is that if you get a smaller one, you're less likely to keep going back rather than you'll probably drink the whole 44 ounces. Now, whether you agree with that law or not, here's what we can agree on. The sugar is addictive. It's addictive. And there are health concerns. We know from experience there are health concerns with too much sugar, particularly from soft drinks. I see these commercials where it's encouraging children, right, and parents, instead of a soft drink or like a, a sports drink with sugar, drink water. Want to hydrate you more? But there's a concern that too much sugar intake from soft drinks is actually negative for your health. Proverbs says this, like soft drinks, like we're addicted to soft drinks, honor is addictive as well. Honor can be addictive as well. Here's what I mean by that. It feels good to be recognized. It feels good to have likes to have followers, to be an important person at work or at school or in your community. 
everyone on some level can relate to this. Even if you don't want to be in the spotlight, it feels good to be honored. And in many ways, there's nothing wrong with some sugar in your diet, and there's nothing wrong with being honored or feeling good about that. But what it's saying is, is not that it's honor or sugar is bad or honey is bad or honor is bad. It's just saying, be careful. It's addictive. And too much honor is not good for your spiritual health. Seeking too much honor is not good for your spiritual health. And then many of you will know this one. And it connects with not being good for your health. Proverbs 16, 18 and 19 says this. Pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be lowly in spirit along with the oppressed than to share plunder with the proud. Or, many of you know this, pride goes before the fall. Pride comes before the fall. Is it that the wisdom of Israel teaches that those that are proud, that if you want to see people that fall, that experience destruction in their life, all you have to look, do is look before and see pride in their life. It's like tempting fate. Since I mentioned being competitive in the sports world, there's something about being in the sports world that you know not to do. If you begin celebrating too early and saying, we've won the game before the game is over, you might get a punch in the shoulder from your teammate says, hey, it's not over yet. Don't jinx us, right? Because as soon as you start talking and saying, we've won, we're the best, we've won, you tempted fate. Pride comes before the fall. I hear occasionally sports commentators will just rave about a player that they're watching, and they'll say, well, they'll make a mistake. says, well, maybe I, maybe I said too many good things about him, and now they're not doing that well. Or maybe some of you have heard about the Sports Illustrated jinx. Anybody heard about this? I think there's something to it. There's actually a Wikipedia page that you can go to. It's this idea that if you make the Sports Illustrated cover, if your picture's on the Sports Illustrated cover, it's almost as if you were jinxed, that you're guaranteed to fail after this. Now, it's just a superstition, but there's enough evidence that psychologically, people are like, ugh. So, for example, in 2015, the Cleveland Indians, which is a baseball team, was on the front cover. A few players with their bats and smiling, and it raved about the Cleveland Indians. They were predicted, Sports Illustrated predicted them to win the World Series. This team was going to be that good they were going to win. That season, the Cleveland Indians didn't even make the playoffs. Something about believing your own press. Pride comes before the fall. And then in chapter 11, verse 2. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes 
wisdom. And this is the second part of this proverb that's quoted in James. It says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God shows favor to those he humbles. I mean, to those who are humble. He's shown us in the book of Proverbs what God opposes, the kind of life and pride that God opposes. But he says, I look favorably upon those that are humble. So in 1533, says this, Wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord. But with humility, I'm sorry, wisdom instruction is to fear the Lord, and humility comes before honor. We've talked about this. I've talked about this several times. But in uh, the New Testament world, honor is the source of life. It is a source of life. And honor is connected. You have honor if you have access to a secure life. So oftentimes, those that have power, those that have wealth, those that have resources, those that are thought of highly in their community, they have more security Honor is a type of currency that you can trade for security in life. On opposed, the, uh, uh, the opposite side of this are those that are humble. Those that are associated as having low social or economic status. They have less social capital to spend. So they have fewer resources, fewer access to life. So you can see this. In actually the Gospel of Luke, we studied the Gospel of Luke not long ago, and we actually studied, preached on this, but it's Mary's song. Once she finds out she's with child, with pregnant, with Jesus. And in chapter 1, beginning in verse 51, it says this. She sings, Mary sings this as a teenager. A woman in the first century. It says, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. And he has brought down rulers from their high thrones. But he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. But he has sent the rich away empty. Do you hear the difference between those that have honor, that are proud, and that those that are humble. She makes a direct connection with security in life. And so in the wisdom of Israel, it seems that there's this great reversal that happens. In life, in how the world works, honor is equal to a secure life. And humility is equal to a very less secure life. But according to the wisdom of God, he says, a secure life is connected to humility. And it doesn't really make sense, especially to those that would be reading it in the first century or even before that. And in some ways, it doesn't make sense to us as well. But according to God's wisdom, humility is connected to a secure life. And in Proverbs 22.4, it says this, humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. Humility is the fear 
of the Lord. At the beginning of Proverbs, Brett preached on Proverbs chapter 1, 7. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And so we often ask the question, and Brett asked the question, what is it the fear of the Lord? And he talked about, he described it as something positive of reverence and awe. But he says it also has a connection with this idea about trusting God in the midst of being afraid. And he compared it like going over a bridge. If you're afraid of heights. I later talked to Brad and I said, ah, I love that illustration. It reminded me, there's a bridge in Oregon. It's called the Bridge of the Gods. Anybody heard of the Bridge of the Gods? The Bridge of the Gods is this enormous steel bridge. And of course, it can, uh, it's high enough. It's actually over 140 foot. And in the middle of it, you drive across the bridge and it's, and it's concrete, but in the middle of it, it's just great, right? So you could actually see through 140 feet down. So I often, when I drive across that bridge, which is not often, but you just kind of open your door and you can go fast enough that you look down and you, you can't really see the grates. So it just looks like you're floating across and if you are afraid of heights, I said, Brett, that is the experience of the fear of the Lord. Then in the midst of feeling anxious and afraid, you just have to trust that those that built the bridge knew what they were doing, and it's safe enough to cross over. That's the fear of the Lord. But in Proverbs... It also says something of this about the fear of the Lord, about what it means. Is that humility is the fear of the Lord. If you're wondering what it means to fear the Lord, be humble. And fear is knowing that we are not up to the task of understanding the love of God for us. And it also says, its wages are riches and honor and life. And here's what that means. Proverbs 15 says this. The Lord tears down the house of the proud, but he sets the widow's boundary stone in place. Now, here's why this is significant. It's because in Israel, uh, it talks about, uh, the Old Testament talks about three kinds of people that are at risk. The widow the orphan, and the alien, or the foreigner. And these are, this is the reason why these three, what they have in common is the reason why they are most at risk in Israel. It's because if you are a foreigner, you cannot own land. If you are a child, you cannot own land. And if you are a widow, you cannot own land if you're a woman. And if you have no husband, if you have no father, you have no access to land. And if you have no access to land, you have no access to food or to life. And so what it says is, she, the widow, has no access to the stuff of life. She's oppressed. She's humble. So... It says that the, the proud, their houses are destroyed. It says, because she is humble, here's what God does. He secures her life 
with a boundary. And he secures land for her, not only for her, but for generations by marking it out. That the humble have access to the life of God. So humility is this. If I want you to know anything, I want you to know this. Humility is knowing and living as if you have no access to the life and the stuff of life by your own means. If you're wondering what it means to be a humble person, this is what it means. Humility is knowing and living as if you have no access to life or the stuff of life by your own means. This is who God shows favor to. This is who God gives grace to. Those who need it most and know they need it most. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And if you are seeking grace today, if you are seeking the favor of God today, then humble yourself as we stand and sing.